Good evening, everyone. So welcome to uh, from the rabbi's desk. This is the rabbi's desk. Uh, so what we're going to do uh, each Thursday night, except for probably the next four in a row, but you know, uh, it, what we'll do most Thursday nights is we're going to go through some interesting shilas that I got recently, and we'll talk about whichever ones you want to, uh, to talk about. Um, next week, I'm not going to be here on Thursday night, and then the following week, I think, is Ready Rosh Hashanah, right? It's almost Rosh Hashanah, right? So we'll, that will be iffy. Maybe we'll do it online. We'll see. We'll, maybe we'll do it here. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see who's around. Um, so uh, stay tuned to uh, the various WhatsApp chats about that. So I'll share with you two Shilas. You'll vote. You'll tell me which one you want to talk about. People on Zoom could vote also, but your vote only counts as half a vote or something. I don't know. But uh, here are the two Shilas. So Shilas number one, I got a text from someone that reads as follows. Hi, Rabbi Leibowitz. I have a Shila that I was hoping you could answer. My wife's mother passed away a few months ago. I think it's typically called a mother-in-law. And my wife recently went through her clothes to see what can be donated. Many of the shoes are in good condition and could be donated. My wife was trying on a particular pair of shoes. They weren't exactly the same shoe size, but this was more like a slipper. And my father-in-law got very nervous about the fact that she was, wear- that she was wearing it as he brought up the concept of not wearing a nifter's shoes. Does this only apply to the shoes that the person was wearing when they were nifter? Or does it apply to all of the nifter's shoes? Should my wife be nervous that she tried on the slippers? So that is Shaila number one. Shaila number two is from a Talmud here in Yeshiva. We have a uh, Talmud here in Yeshiva who is a Sephardic uh, young man, and he is married to an Ashkenazi girl. Um, wonderful, that's great. Diversify the gene pool a little bit. It's not so bad, right? So uh, it's good for, to avoid all those wonderful Ashkenazi genetic illnesses that we have. Uh, so, okay. So he's married to an Ashkenazi girl, and uh, his wife is expecting their first child. And uh, the fellow's father's name is uh, Yitzchak Aharon. Uh, the girl's father's name, meaning his wife's father's name, is Yitzchak David. So uh, he, um, his father, they're both alive, thank God. Uh, his father said, ah, your wife is expecting, if it's a boy, it's going to be named after me, Yitzchak Aaron, because by Svartim, they name after the living. And the girl's father said, if it's a boy, you will call it Yitzchak over my dead body, like literally. I will, uh, my name is Yitzchak also. The only way you will call this baby Yitzchak is over my dead body. There is no way that you can name the baby Yitzchak while I am still alive. So the boy now wants, the young couple, not just the guy, the young couple wants to know, uh, other than praying that the baby's a girl, which we're not, not allowed to do that either at this point, but, uh, but so what, what, what do we do? What do we do if the baby's born and it's a boy? Do we name after the Sephardic uh, grandfather, as he insists, or do we not name after uh, the grandfather, as the Ashkenazi grandfather insists? So those are our two Shilas. Good? So uh, all those who want to talk about... Uh, what was the first one? The dead, you know, walking in a dead woman's shoes. All those who want to talk about walking in a dead woman's shoes. Okay. All those who want to talk about the Sfardi and the Ashkenazi naming after. Okay. It looks like Sfardi Ashkenazi wins. Let's see what the Zoom vote is. Let's see what the Zoom vote is. Yeah, we're getting a lot of twos on the Zoom vote. Okay. So the Sfardi Ashkenazi. I figured that one would win. Okay. It was a fascinating child. One part of what makes it a fascinating child is not so much halacha uh, as much as it is a combination of halacha and minhag and sensitivity and you know balancing all of those things. And I, I did have the opportunity to peddle this Shaila around to a variety of Gedolia Poskim, and the great part about it was that no two of them said the same thing. So, uh, you know, I did not yet have a chance to ask Rav Schechter, but I asked Rav Neuberger, I asked Rav Willig, I asked Rav Asher Weiss, I asked Rav Yisrael Reisman, 
and no two of them said the same thing. So, uh, so let's go through what the issue, what the issue is. Just curious, um, by a show of hands, how many of you think they should name the baby after the Sephardi grandfather? How many of you think they should not name the baby after the Sephardi grandfather? I just want to know how many people are just not voting. Okay, uh, of those who say not to name after the Sephardi grandfather, are any, are any of you Sephardic? Okay, are there any Sephardic guys in the room? And what, what do you hold? What do you hold? What? I'm not Sephardic, but I'm Sephardic. That doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you're not Sephardic. Yeah, okay. That's... Uh, Wow, I, I mean, that's embarrassing. We've got to, we've got to up our Sephardi game. Anyone on the... Uh, all right, anyway, so, uh, so it's, it's a combination of different things. So let's start with, uh, like, where did this minna come from that we don't name after living people? Meaning, if you, if you look in the, uh, in the Gemara and probably the Chumash also, it seems that they did name after living people. So where would such a minna have come from not to name after living people? In fact, the Gemara in Shabbos and Davkuf Lamedal tells us about a case of a mother who Nebuch lost her first two, two sons. They both died after, shortly after having a bris mila. And then her, her third son was born and she didn't know what to do. Should she give the baby a bris or not? So Rav Nassim gives her some advice about what to wait for, what signs to wait for to see that the baby's healthy before giving the baby a bris. And she followed his advice and she waited and she, and she waited till uh, the baby was ready for it and she gave the baby a bris and he survived. And she called him Nassan uh, after the, uh, the person who saved his life, right? After the person who gave that advice. So he was still alive. He had just given the advice. So apparently you see from the Gemara that they were naming after living people. Now granted that wasn't a family member, but it was a person that was alive. Someone told me they went to a bris recently in the five towns. Um, Rabbi Arya Kohn texted me, Mazel Tov, we now have another child named after us. So I said, what are you talking about? And he said that uh, he was at a bris and the, uh, they named the baby Aryeh and they said that we named the baby Aryeh because we're really close to the Rabbi Aryeh Kohn and we love him and my wife listens sometimes to Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz's shiurim so we named the baby Aryeh so uh, I didn't get insulted at all I was uh, quite honored I didn't feel like, you know, kill me first before you name after I was, I was okay with that uh, so, uh, so why, why another baby named after us? Because uh, Rabbi Kavanetsky has a son, Aryeh um, who was born many, many, many years ago. Aryeh is married um, and uh, is a Rebbe in Frisch. And uh, Rabbi Kamenetsky told us that he named his son Aryeh because his first three years teaching, he had close Talmidim who were all named Aryeh that he was very proud of. There was Aryeh Leibowitz, Aryeh Yudin, and Aryeh Kohn, one year after the other. And, uh, and he named his son Aryeh after, uh, after the three of us. So we now have, uh, um, when I went around my shear room in 11th grade, when, when Aryeh Kamenetsky was in my shear, I said, tell me something interesting about yourself. You know, we went around the room. He said, I'm named after you. I'm like, you taka are. So, uh, so I, 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 I wasn't uh, I wasn't insulted. So, uh, is there any problem with naming after? So, why is it? Why do Ashkenazi people have this thing, this weird thing that we don't name after living people? We only name after dead people. So, no one really knows. But there's a lot of speculation as to where the minhag developed. Um, one possi- possibility is mentioned by the Sefer Bris Avos is that uh, uh, as sort of an after the fact explanation is that once the minhag has developed not to name after living people. 
by naming after a living person, it's as if you're saying, I wish you were dead. But that's only an after the fact, meaning once it's already been done, that we name after dead people only, so then if you're going to go and name after a living person, it becomes a chutzpah. So it wasn't a problem to begin with, but once that's what everyone started doing, so it gives a very bad impression. But again, it doesn't explain why. Why why, Why do we stop naming after living people? So uh, another possibility that's raised by some of the achronim, there are all these svarim about names. So they all have these, you know, these uh, um, esoteric and uh, strange marimakomos. So one of them has that if a child has the same name as a living father or grandfather or great-grandfather, um, then when the Malach comes to take Zaydi, he might make a mistake because he's going to be like, oh, I'm here to collect uh, whatever, and he might accidentally take the, uh, the grandchild. So lest you say, I mean, what's, how could that be? Like, is that a thing that the Malach like makes mistakes and takes the wrong, the wrong person? I will tell you, yes, it's a thing. There's a Gemara in Masechus Chagiga. The Gemara in Chagiga, Davdalit and Beis, tells us, and by the way, this is not the strangest Gemara in Chagiga, but the Gemara tells us, Rav Yosef kimati lahai krabachi. Rav Yosef used to cry when he read a Pasuk in Sefer Mishlei, v'yeshnis below mishpat, that sometimes people are gathered up when, without justice. Amar mi'ika da'azablo is it true that someone could leave this world when it's not his time? In! That the Malach HaMavis used to hang out with Rabbi Barabaye. So the Malach HaMavis told his Shaliach, he had a summer intern or something working for him, and he said, Zil Aisili Miriam, go get me Miriam, right? So this uh, intern for the Malach HaMavis had to go collect this Miriam, Megadla Seyer Nashia. She was a woman who was, uh, who, who used to, she was a hairdresser. So, Azal Aisili Miriam, Megadli and he got the wrong Miriam. He got the preschool teacher Miriam, and uh, he took her neshama instead. So I'm like, I'm not Miriam. I got the Seir Nashia. You can't get good help these days. The Malchav got all frustrated. He got me the wrong Miriam. He, so he said, Oh, sorry. I'm like, so I'm like, should I, should I give her back? I mean, what, what do you want me to do? So I'm like, Okay, once she's here, we'll keep her ready. So, uh, so okay, exactly what you do with that Gemara theologically, and you know, like how. How, how does one make peace with such a Gemara? I don't know, but uh, that's a conversation for a different time. But apparently that's a thing, that they may, uh, they may confuse the wrong name. So if you have two people with the same name in the same family, uh, oftentimes in the same house, maybe that's the reason why Ashkenazim don't name after the living. Another possibility is, and probably the most uh, halachic possibility, is there's a halachim of Rashi's and Shulchan Aruch and Yardaya Simen Reish Mem, where the Shulchan Aruch paskins, that one is not allowed to call even somebody else who has the same name as their father by their, uh, by, by their name in front of their father. Now you imagine grandparents and grandchildren are oftentimes in the same house. So if you're going to name the baby after the grandfather and you're constantly calling his name, so you're going to be calling uh, your father's name in front of your father and that's considered to be disrespectful to the, uh, to the father. So it could be, that's probably the reason why Rabbi Yudah Hasid has in his tzava'a that you shouldn't, name, you shouldn't marry someone with the same name as your parent, right? Uh, because of the same reason that it's... Uh, that Rabbi Dachas doesn't say that, that that's the reason, but uh, the speculation is that that's the reason, because you're going to be calling your spouse by their name, and if it's the same name as your parent, it's disrespectful to call by the name. Now, I always point out when I mention that halacha, that Rav Meisha Feinstein's Zechron of Racha had two sons-in-law. There was Rav Meisha Shiskal and Rav Meisha Tendler. So, uh, granted, it was Meisha David Tendler, and it was, uh, was it Rav Lazar Meisha Shiskal? I forgot his first name, Rav. 
whatever. But uh, he, they they both had different names. It was not uh, it was not uh, just Moshe, but still, um, you know, uh, you have. Uh, you have uh, different levels of akpada on that Rav Yudah Chassid. What about Svardim? Why do Svardim name after the living? Because there's no reason not to. Meaning it's not, I mean, we're, we're so primed to think that it's such a weird thing that Svardim name after the living. No, that's the default position. That's like what happened in Chumash and in Shas. We, we did something unusual over here. So we're the ones uh, that need explanation. I can comfortably say we, now that I know that it's an all Ashki crowd over here. But uh, we're, we're the ones that, uh, that did something unusual. Now, who, who has the right to choose the name for the child? Meaning, I would imagine that this young couple may have a disagreement about who they should listen to. Should we listen to uh, his family or her family? He may want to listen to his family. She may want to listen to her family. So does the father or the mother have the right to choose uh, the name of the child? So the, uh, their, the Sparta custom has always been that the father gets the first name, that the father chooses the first name. Rav Vadya points out that you see this in the naming of Yehuda's children in Sefer Bereshis. The Chumash tells us that Yehuda named his first son Er, and his wife named the second son Onan. So you see that Yehuda was the, the, got to name the Bukhar. Ben Ishchai in Parsha Shoftim points out that the two sons of Aaron HaKohen, who died young, were both named for family members. The older son was Nadav, was named after his maternal grandfather, Ami Nadav, and the younger son, Avihu, is a reference to his paternal grandfather, because it's Avihu, my father. So it's, it's, it's the paternal grandfather, and says the Ben Ishchai, and that's why Nadav and Avihu died so tragically young in such a horrible way, because they broke the Sephardi Minag of giving the first name to the, uh, to the father's side of the family, and the second name to the mother's side of the family. Wow. So uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky has a different interpretation. In Eretz Yaakov Alatora, he suggests that the mother is naturally more capable of choosing a name because choosing a name is you're really uh, trying to figure out how to best describe the essence of the person. And mothers are more attuned to that than fathers are, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a father will uh, will be home for an hour interacting with his kid, and like uh, everything's fine, and the mother will walk in, take one look at the kid, and say, "What's wrong? What happened?" Right? Meaning, and uh, the father. What do you mean? What's wrong? And like the kid will just uh, fall apart, fall to pieces, and right away explain everything terrible that happened. Mothers just see things. Fathers don't uh, necessarily. Obviously, I'm speaking begadol, and there are more sensitive fathers and less sensitive mothers, and whatever. But begadol, uh, that's a uh, mother is more likely to look at her baby and uh, and 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 uh, see everything in that in that baby at a very very young age. Whereas a father is more likely, as w- one of my chaverim uh, once uh, said to me, as a rebbe in yeshiva for many years. Uh, I'm not going to say publicly who um, said to me, I don't even look at my kids for the first three months, you know, like they're just a blob, you know, and then when they develop a personality, you know, so a mother is much more likely to... uh Some guys in the room probably could guess who it is, but but the... the, the, uh, the, the, the the uh, the mother is more capable of naming a child. However, when it comes to the first baby, so the oldest, uh, particularly if it's a boy, that's usually the mamali makamaviv as the as the leader of the family. He's the one that takes the father's place as leader of the family. So for that, the father should have the right to name such uh, to name the first baby. So the first one goes to the father. The re- the rest go to the uh, go to the mother. Now certainly one can be mochel such a thing, but that's the svarta custom. The Ashkenazi custom is that the mother's side of the family gets the. First 
first name. So Ramosha goes even further. Ramosha says that if the mother's side of the family got the first name, and then Rahman the son, the baby dies young, then the mother gets to name the next one also. That even that, that uh, the, the mother's side of the family uh, gets, gets the first uh, name that's going to stay. So where does that come from? So in the Chuvas Keser Ephraim, he explains that the bond between a daughter and her parents is weakened when she gets married because she leaves their home and she now has responsibilities to her husband. And that bears itself out in halacha, that she's not chayiv in kibbutz to the extent that it interferes with the responsibilities that she has to her husband. So, uh, so as a result, um, uh, the, in order to strengthen that bond that has now been slightly weakened through her getting married, the first child is named for the mother's side of the family to, uh, to reinforce that, uh, that bond. That's what he suggests. In the Sefer Otsus Yerushalayim, he suggests another reason. Maybe that uh, the basis is because in many communities, the father of the Kala would take on all the financial responsibilities for the young couple for the first two years of marriage. So basically, Karasatov dictates that his family should be able to get the first name. He's the one that's supporting them for the first couple of years of marriage in those places where that's the, uh, where that's the minhag. I remember my uh, uncle, Julius Berman, told, us, told me once that... Um, uh, it's one of his favorite stories. He told me more than once that uh, he was once talking to Rav Salvechik's mother. And Rav Salvechik's mother said to, to Uncle Julie, um, it, do you notice anything strange about my son's name? And he's like, no, actually nothing at all is strange about your son's name. His name is Yosef Dov Halevi Salvechik. He was obviously named after his great-grandfather, the Beis Halevi, Yosef Dov Halevi. What do you mean strange? There's like nothing strange. It's a family name. It's a godly Israel. It fits. Like, like what would be strange about it? So uh, she said, what do you mean? You don't have a kasha? And he said, no, I have no kasha. She said, Ashkenazi Minug is the mother gets the, the mother's side of the family gets the first name. The Rav, Beryl, she used to call him Beryl, Beryl is, a, is, is our Bukhar. Why did it go to my father's, why did it go to his father's side of the family? So Uncle Julie said, uh, because it's the base Halevi, you know, like I, I would imagine, you know. So, uh, so she said, no, it's not what happened. When he was born, Rab Chaim came to visit me shortly after, a couple of days after he was born. And Rab Chaim said, um, I want you to name this child after my father. And I said, no, I have the right to the first name. I don't have to name after, uh, after your side of the family. And Reb Chaim said, I'll make you a deal. You name the first one after my side of the family, and then instead of alternating in future children, you get all the rest. Just give me this one after the Beis Halevi, and then the rest you can have. So uh, she said she took the deal. Handshake? No handshake. But she, did, but she, 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 uh, she took the deal. And, uh, and, and, and because of that, Aaron and Shmuel and Shalom, those are all her side of the family. None of them are from, uh, from his side of the family. So that's the Ashkenazi practices. You name after the, uh, the girl's side of the family, the, the mother's side of the family first. Now, in general, when you have different minhagim, so you know, these are, you have, whose minhagim do you follow? So typically you would follow the, uh, the husband's minhagim. There is a lot to say about that. You know, the, the Tashfates writes a, uh, a, a, in a tshuva, in Chel Gimel Simen Kuf Ayintes, it's the only tshuva you find like before the 20th century on like what to do when there are different minhagim of husbands and wives because it used to be everyone just married within their own community. There was no minhagim were community-based and no one really traveled from one community to another. So it was pretty much, it was a very rare shayla. Now it's like the most common shayla, right? Every uh, young kala that's getting married, do I really have to learn how to daven because I'm marrying a guy who comes from a family that doesn't look Do I really have to, or Sephardic, or if she's marrying a Sephardi guy, or like, I meaning uh, making those adjustments 
is very, very hard. Um, but uh, the Tashmits writes that there are two reasons why the wife should adopt the husband's minhagim. First of all, it would be very disruptive if the husband and the wife were to have different conflicting uh, family minhagim. Um, you know, if the husband's going to eat kidneys on Pesach and the wife's not, so that's going to be difficult. Um, and second, he says, the, uh, there is a uh, principle called Ishto Kigufo. It's a principle in Hilchus Edus, uh, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daf Chavches. But the Gemara considers a husband and wife to be like one person. So, uh, so the Tashbeit says that that teaches me that the wife should adopt her husband's minhagim because she becomes like one person with the husband. Ramosha says a little differently. Ramosha says that the Allah is that when a person goes from moves from one town to another, the Mishnah Masechus Pesachim says that you take upon yourselves the minhag of the town that you go to, that you're supposed to observe the minhagim of the town that you move to, that, uh, and when a woman marries, when a woman gets married, she sort of moves into the husband's domain, so to speak. So it's as if she moved to the husband's city, and therefore, uh, by joining the husband's family, she takes on all of the minhagim of the, uh, of the husband. Uh, some more uh, contemporary uh, achronim say, I don't know, uh, is that really what happens when a woman, uh, when a couple gets married, that they move, uh, they move in with the husband? I have a friend who lives in Yerushalayim, and he said that the minog there is that, the, uh, that, that for the first couple of years of marriage, a young couple lives right next to the, right, ne- right near her parents. That's the minog. So uh, this friend of mine lives in Shari Chesed, so when uh, his, his uh, children got married, he was responsible to find them a place to live in Shari Chesed. Not a cheap proposition, but uh, that's what, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the cost. So, uh, so, so uh, if, if that's the case, maybe the husband is moving into the wife's uh, community. But be that as it may, it seems that it's pretty clear that that's the overwhelming uh, practice. Now, Rav Moshe has a tshuva in Evan Ezer, Chela Gimel Simen Chavav, where he was asked about two grandmothers, both Ashkenazi grandmothers, who had the same name. It's a similar child, they're not exactly the same. Let's see what the difference might be. Two Ashkenazi grandmothers, both had the same name. One was alive and the other was dead, right? So imagine both grandmothers of the baby were named Sarah. Baby girl was born. Now one Sarah grandmother was dead. The other Sarah grandmother was alive. So by Ashkenazim, we only name after the deceased. So do, can you name the baby Sarah knowing that you have an Ashkenazi grandmother that's, a, that's alive? I was at a bris recently, and they named the baby Yaakov Moshe. And I noticed that the father of the baby was holding uh, Rabbi, Chala, Rabbi Yaakov Moshe Chalap Sefer under his arm. So, uh, so, and he's tangentially related to, uh, to Rav Neuberger. So I said, oh, you named the baby after Rabbi Yaakov Moshe Chalap? He said, yeah, because the Neubergers can't. Meaning, because uh, Rabbi Neuberger is Yaakov, so uh, so they, they they it's like meaning the Neubergers are Chalat, meaning Rebbe's Neubergers are Chalat. So you have such a yichus, such a gadol Yisrael, but because there's someone else in the in the line that has the same name, they can't use the name Yaakov. So uh, you know, so Rabbi Neuberger's uh, son's brother-in-law used the name uh, used the name Yaakov instead, Yaakov Moshe, to be able to name after uh, after Rabbi Chalat. So can you, or, or maybe not, maybe. There's no problem with it. Maybe Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar's own grandchildren could be named Yaakov, because after all, or Yaakov Moshe, why is that a problem? Right? Meaning, after all, they're not naming after him. They're naming after the deceased great-great-grandfather, uh, after Yaakov Moshe Chalaf. So Moshe was asked this, Shaila. Two grandmothers, both Ashkenazi, one alive, one dead. Can you name the baby? And they have the same name. Can you name the baby after, you know, with that name? Bidvar imtia vlad nekeva. Right, this exact shaila. Hine, 
says Ramosha, Haminog Shalolikro Lahanechda Shemahu Umimele Yeshpaza Isser. He says the minog is not to call the grandchild by that name, and since that's the minog, it becomes aser to huneged kavra emachaya. Once it's the minog not to to call the baby by that name is against the kavod of the living mother. Sha kavod hu mitzvah da'oraisa. The kavod of the mother is a mitzvah da'oraisa, and va'af lebas nesua. I. What about the fact that uh, the 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 living grandmother is the mother's mother, and maybe she's not chayiv in the midst of kibbutzim because she's married now? Says Ramosha, nothing doing. And something that's not a conflict with service that she needs to provide with her husband. Of course, she's chayiv in kibbutzim. When we say that a married woman is not chayiv in kibbutzim, means to the extent that her mother needs her to do shopping for her, or her father needs her to do shopping for, her, but her husband also needs her to do uh, you know to do things around that. So then the the loyalties to the husband take precedence. But something like this, something that's not about a practical um, uh, service that you're going to provide, a practical, practical benefit that you're going to provide, she's absolutely chayiv in the kibbut of her mother. So Moshe says, if mother's mother is still alive, and father's mother is dead, and they had the same name, you cannot name after the father's mother, that's a slap in the face to the mother's mother. So uh, he, he either assumes that naming after a deceased parent is not considered a chayiv of kibbut, because one could have argued, what do you mean? <laughs> but it's a mitzvah of kibbut aveim to name after the deceased one. So maybe kibbut aveim to not name after the living one, but it's kibbut aveim to name it. So he either assumes that it's not a fulfillment of kibbut, uh, it's just something that we do, or he assumes that even though it is kibbut, the honor due to the living is greater than the honor. Kavod achaim, kavod amesim, kavod achaim is adif that kavod achaim takes precedence over kavod amesim. It still doesn't answer our question, because in our case, there's a competing kibbalav of the living Sephardic grandfather. It's Kavad Achayim and Kavad Achayim, right? In our case, it's, uh, they're both alive. So, uh, so that's, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a competing kibbutz. So, okay, so what do I, we have five minutes left, so let's go through what the postcom actually said about it. So first I, I asked my brother, I asked my brother, uh, I, I run pretty much every Shiloh by my brother, and uh, my brother uh, said, tell the Svarti grandfather that as soon as the Ashkenazi grandfather dies, they'll name the next child after him, and tell the Ashkenazi grandfather, now you have someone praying for you to die, so uh, you may want to send him some food baskets. I don't know if my brother was serious or not, but that, that was his, uh, his reaction. Okay, so now let's get to what the, what the, what the actual, uh, you know, what Poskim actually said when I asked the Shaila in a, in a, in a serious way. Um, so I asked Rabbi Yisrael Reisman first. He's Rashiv in Taravadas, big posik in Brooklyn. And uh, he said, I don't understand. There's nothing wrong with an Ashkenazi naming after a living person. Meaning, name after the grandfathers, including the Ashkenazi grandfather. I have in mind that Yitzchak is after the Ashkenazi grandfather also. Nothing wrong with naming after a living person. He says, it's, it, the reason we don't do it is purely cultural. It's not a halachic and any halachic reasons. And he said, and I put my money where my mouth is. How, how so? Rabbi Reisman, said, Rabbi Reisman has, I think, seven sons. So he said, one of his sons is married to a Sephardi girl. So you would imagine that they'd follow his son's minhagim, Ashkenazi minhagim. And none of their children should be named after living people because Ashkenazi minhag is not to name after living people. He said, my grandchildren are named after the other side, you know, after my mechutanim, after living, living people, mechutanim. They didn't follow the Ashkenazi. Now, granted, it wasn't a conflict of names, but he said they didn't follow the Ashkenazi minhag because there is no Ashkenazi minhag. There's nothing wrong with naming after living people. So he said, uh, you know, you have to figure out if it's wise and whether the uh, 
Ashkenazi grandfather in this case is going to be really, really insulted and really upset, and it's going to, it may be unwise to insist, even if it's mutter. But uh, he said may, maybe they should uh, they should pledge to only use the second name when calling him uh, when referring to the child, except for when he gets alios, uh, where you're going to have to use both names or something like that. Come up with some sort of compromise. But the Sephardi grandfather is right. I asked Rabbi Willig, and Rabbi Willig said. Um, you absolutely cannot name the child Yitzchak. My children wouldn't even have the chutzpah to ask me such a shayla, to, to, to do such a thing. What a slap in the face to the Ashkenazi grandfather. I said, Rebbe, but it's a chutzpah to the Sephardi grandfather, not to name after him. He said, no, it's not. He's got plenty of grandchildren that aren't named after him. So another grandchild not named after him is not a chutzpah. But to name a grandchild after, after an Ashkenazi grandfather, that's a chutzpah. I happened to run into Rabbi Akiva Willig at a bar mitzvah last Shabbos. I said, I was just dealing with the shayla. Everyone answered one way, your father answered a different way. Let me run the shayla by you. And Akiva Willig said, what's the shayla? You can't name after I said, oh, good. He trained you well. Okay. So you have, uh, so uh, I asked Rav Neuberger. Rav Neuberger said, Min Hadin. First of all, Rav Neuberger is amazing. He said, uh, the Yehudi Yala has a tshuva about this. <laughs> I couldn't even find it, but he said, he said he's going to track it down for me probably at 3 a.m. I'll get a text from Rav Neuberger with uh, tshuva's Yehudi Yala. He says the din is clearly with the Svartic grandfather because we follow the Menhagim of the husband and it's not even the same name. Yitzchak uh, David and Yitzchak Aaron aren't the same name. So the, the din is clearly with the Svartic uh, grandfather. Having said that, it could be a little tricky. So he said probably the best thing to do is sit them both down and say, who wants the Gavaldikas Zuchus of being Mevater? It's such a great Zuchus to be Mevater. Who wants the Gavaldikas Zuchus of being Mevater? And they'll both say, he does. <laughs> right? uh, um, so, uh, so that was Rav take. Then I asked Rav Asher Weiss, and I actually, I, I didn't ask if I had uh, someone who was there, Mike Smith, a friend of mine, was, was with Rav Asher, and he recorded Rav Asher's answer. So we have this four-minute voice note from, uh, from Rav Asher. I would play it if we had four minutes left, but uh, we don't. So Rav Asher essentially said, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with naming after uh, living people. Um, he said, you know, the, the grandfather says over my dead body, I mean, if he's literally going to be suicidal, pikuach nefesh, but, uh, but if he's not going to commit suicide over it, then, uh, then there's nothing wrong with, uh, with the Ashkenazi grandfather should be happy to have a baby named after him. And then Rav Asher said, I have babies named after me. He said, he once got a phone call from someone, from a grandfather of a baby, saying, would you, uh, we'd like you to be the sandik at, at, at our grandson's, the father called first, we'd like you to be sandik, then the grand Grandfather called the night before the bris, and he said, "Grandfather, you're going to be there. You should be the sandik." And he said, "The grandfather said, no, you have no idea. Our son was the mitzuyan in yeshiva. He was the best, biggest masmer. And then he left yeshiva and he went downhill. And then he discovered your shiurim, and it brought him back. And now he learns twelve hours a day, and he's in ma'ira and he's and he had a baby. It would be the biggest honor for you to be sandik. So Rav Asher went, and he was sandik, and they said, "Yikari shmo be Yisrael, Asher." So uh, the, uh, the, the father, the Aviyah Ben Setra of Asher, I wanted to name him Asher Zelig, but I'm Bukhari, and I think everyone would have just passed out if I would have named him Asher Zelig. So we went with, uh, with, just, uh, with just Asher. He said, but there's nothing wrong with that. Just because I'm alive. I'm very happy to have a baby named after me. Anyway, this baby has not yet been born, and so we have yet to see what uh, decision they're going to make, or even if it's going to be a boy. But uh, everything should go to Shalom, and everything should be well. Everyone should be healthy. Okay.